This is Shaka Wart Speak. You want to okay. launch into this one or you want me to? Go for it. Okay. I, mean, I like don't do this anymore. I know. Do it. <laughs> do it. <laughs> Everybody, welcome to Shaka Wart Speak. We are back for another episode. I am here, as always, with Ryan Letario. Um, but we are not here with someone. So in spirit is Cody Spice, but not in presence. So no Cody clarifies. Hello. clarifies none i just none. want that his we have music in the so, so put it here we'll put it right here hello so there's no uh nothing to clarify whatsoever this will be completely incoherent so um we apologize in advance it's just going to be rambling nonsense that's no reflection on our guests though it's that's not. just a reflection it's on just us. on us yeah. but y'all are still here so you know this already right um but we do have a guest this week it's fantastic we're picking up again in the entrepreneurship series um and what we like to do with this whole series is we don't want to give you some sort of like playbook we don't want to give you the same old crap that everybody gives you um talking about entrepreneurship because if you Go back and listen to some of our Rethink episodes. Uh, you know that we think it's a buzzword. Um, not always something that's being done for real. Yeah. Uh, so what we like to do is give you, uh, I don't know, maybe real examples of yeah. people that are doing things, it, launching out in new in directions, uh, making stuff happen, movers, shakers, hustlers, all that. Yeah. So, Street hustlers if we can. That's right. Yeah. So if you know any, just bring them in off the yeah, block. I we'll talk to them. Um, but yeah, so this week we've got um, a longtime friend of mine and a new friend of Ryan's, but we've got Andrea Bucilla, and she is with us um, to talk about all of her, uh, I think at some point we talked in the past about uh, squiggly straight lines when you look back at your career, and uh, I think that she's a perfect example of a squiggly straight line. Um, so welcome, Andrea. Thanks for, for coming, or should I just call you Dre? I think Dre's good. Yeah, good. thanks That's for fine. having me, you guys. Should we put the Dre music on right now? We have the rights for that? Uh, we, I, I, we, we can do it for a short enough period where the AI won't pick up on it. Great. Yeah. You know. Can you tell him I'm a producer? Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. We'll, I'll get you guys in trouble. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. We've got the rights. They're fine. For sure. We yeah. yeah. We got to get into what you do. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah so, as far as our listeners know, you're a watercolorist. <laughs> <laughs> I'm very entrepreneurial with my watercolor. That's right. Shout uh, out to my watercolor. Squiggly friends. line watercolors. That's right. yeah. yeah. So she's, she's not, but yeah. So, um, we got you here and, uh, it was great. Cause the other day she was like, Hey, what do I need to prep for this conversation? And I was like, nothing. Yeah. <laughs> you just need to come and talk because it's just a conversation about your experiences and what you've done. So um, I guess maybe the best way to start off with uh, everything is just introduce yourself to the audience in whatever way you feel is most appropriate for where you are now. This is good. I liked when you said don't prep anything because uh, I think my career path and you actually knew me in college as my professor. Uh, I'm a fly by the seat of my pants kind of girl, mm -hmm. gut instinct. So this is good for me. Well, good. Um, I am currently a creative producer and director at Malka Media, mm -hmm. uh, based out of Jersey City in Santa Monica. Before that, I was a creative producer at an agency in Bushwick, awesome agency called Madwell, mm -hmm. not to be confused with the clothing company Madewell, though we did get a handful of applications from people thinking <laughs> they were applying to work at the clothing company. Um, did and they then, ever get any jobs? No. <laughs> no. This person's no. so good, even though they're not really. Yeah, if you, can't, if you can't spot that missing E, I'm not sure you're really qualified. <laughs> hey, um, that's, a, that's a good that's a good point. Yeah. yeah. Um, and before that, I was uh, 
I worked in operations and I taught middle school English for about 10 years um, in Brooklyn and Mississippi. That's why you could spot the missing eight. That's why, yeah, <laughs> yeah. That's how you um, got that job. Yeah, so I took a, a huge, huge leap of faith. I quit that job um, like in February of my last school year there, which is obviously early with the faith that I would be able to find mm-hmm. the job that I wanted. Um, and the reason I knew that I wanted to switch careers was because my husband, Carrie and I, who was on the podcast a couple of years ago, yeah. I think, um, it's a bummer that you had him first, but he and I had started. That's, I agree. Yeah. 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 I mean, this he's is already great. way better. He's, he's great, but like, come on. Yeah. This is already way better. Sorry, yeah. Gary. <laughs> um, we had started a, a little production company called Greater Fool Productions. Um, and we were doing some branded content work through like Time Inc. and Meredith. And we were doing some indie films. And I was like, man, I like this a lot more than working at the school. I love kids. Um, but I was kind of burned out and over it. So, you know, I, I applied for this job at Madwell and I was able to convince them that director of operations and some branded content running my own, if tiny, but my own company for a couple of years equaled creative producer in the New York City ad agency world. Um, and they bought that. It took a lot of following up. It took asking their head of production out for coffee just to like, you know, hey, will you give me some advice? Like, I know you guys don't want to hire me, but, and then we actually clicked over that coffee mm. um, and she ended up offering me the job. So yeah, that's kind of the short of my, my journey. That's, uh, I mean. Talk more about that. Which like, part? Which thing? Just the, um, what's in your mindset to be willing to go say, hey, let's get coffee, even though you don't want me, how can, like, What's in your mind at that point? Like how self-aware are you? Do you know what I'm saying? Yeah. Like, like, well, I knew, I knew that I needed more than just my husband as yeah. a connection in the industry. And we had some friends at the time who worked in the industry as well. And we would, you know, like go to happy hour and I would bounce ideas, hopes, dreams off of them. But like, they were all too close to me. Mm-hmm. Um, really good friends and obviously my spouse. Um, and I just really loved this woman's vibe. Her name was, her name is uh, Sandy Sherman. And she'd worked in the industry for years. And I was like, man, I, I really did love my experience interviewing with her. Um, let me just see woman to woman if she's willing to mm. give me some advice. And mm-hmm. I phrased it just like that over email. I was like, you know, feel free to say no. I know it's kind of a off the wall ask. Um, so I didn't go there with the intention of like manipulating her into giving me a job. Yeah, I genuinely just wanted another woman's because it's a very male dominated industry. New York City advertising is mm-hmm. very male dominated. Um, although I think that's changing. I think production, the production side is maybe even predominantly female. Um, but anyway, I just thought like, this will be good. She's, she's got kids at the time I was pregnant. Um, though they didn't know that they didn't know until after I got the job, which we can talk about the morality (laughs) of that. Um, but yeah, she was like, wow, I'm really flattered that you thought that I would be someone who would be good at giving advice. Sure. Let's do it. So she met with me and we sort of vibed at the time Carrie and I were considering moving to LA. Uh, we hate LA. I um, <laughs> hope I don't alienate any of your, <laughs> any of your listeners. Um, it's okay. They know too. Yeah. Okay. I, I mean, I enjoy visiting there sometimes going there for work, but I just don't think I'd want to raise a family there. So anyway, I was like, what about LA? You used to live in LA. And she was like, don't do that. New York's where it's at. Stay here. And I'm like, cool. I agree. And we just vibed over coffee for like two hours. Yeah. Um, and then I, <clears throat> excuse me. I honestly forget what happened next. If she reached back out, I think mm-hmm. she did. I think like she had the HR person reach out and she's like, hey, this person has people skills. That's one yeah. of the biggest things. Mm. Um, I feel like she can learn this industry. People skills, initiative. You know, we need people to talk to, to be able to like talk to clients like this, yeah. right? Like just be able to reach out to clients and be like, hey, 
can we just have a side conversation real fast mm-hmm. um, and have that sort of human connection? And I think that's probably what clicked for her. Like, oh, she's got that. And she's a little bit older than people who are applying for this job. She had a whole career before this. Like, yeah. we want that sort of like intellectual diversity mm-hmm. here at Madwell. And I love that about that place. Um, so, yeah. Wow. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, it's funny. I mean, you're talking about stuff that people usually call intangibles, which mm-hmm. the, the longer we have conversations like this or the more these come up, uh, the less I like that word for those things because I think they're very tangible. Yeah. They're extremely tangible. I think that mm-hmm. they're maybe harder to like put a specific metric on. You yeah. know, so where I could sit here and say like, oh, on this test of information recall, you made X, it would be harder for me to like really place you on some sort of like spectrum of like, how much people skills you have and things like that. Um, but within the industry you're working in, I mean, like the final product is such a small bit of what you actually do. I mean, like a lot of, uh, a lot of creative spaces, the, the work is almost like when you're done and everybody now gets to experience the thing, you're like finished with it. You're like maybe (laughs) mentally and emotionally completely gone. And you're like, I don't know what that thing is anymore. Um, so how important are those those intangibles? Like how much do you see that, like what she was saying about you, how much do you see that within the, in the industry you're working in? Yeah, I mean, it is, I think it's probably the most important thing because a lot of people, if you think about like a crew, someone who can operate a camera or put up lights, um, not to like minimize the importance of those things because they're very technical and extremely important, right? If you have if you're doing something that's like, you know, on the commercial level or even if it's a documentary and you, your lighting is off or your sound is off, like mm-hmm. the whole thing is garbage. So you need those people, but a lot of people have those skills. Yeah. So when you get to set and you have someone you haven't worked with before and their energy is low or they're just like complaining about lots of things um, or they're not just sort of like down for the cause. Like I come from an indie film background, obviously. And I'm getting to the stage of my career now where like, that's not necessarily a good thing. Like Mm -hmm. I like to be scrappy. I like to just like come and have, I don't want to say a family on set because I think that like, you're talking about buzzwords that are awful. Like you go to a workplace and they say like, oh, we're all family here. Like red flag, get out. Yeah. Um, But like, I want that sort of like collegial like feeling on a set. And if you Mm -hmm. have one or two people who don't have it, like I straight up at this point in my career, I'm like, I'm not hiring that person again. Yeah. I need someone who is easy to communicate with in pre-pro. I need someone who's collaborative on set who uh, will, you know, crack some jokes, laugh yeah. at jokes, um, and then of course be good at what they do. But like you can find lots of people who are good at what they do. You have to have the extra thing. Yeah. And that's tough, right? Because I think that, you know, we've had conversations mm-hmm. on the podcast a lot about what it is that we have been doing for the last generation mm-hmm. in terms of education in the United States. And we've been we've been creating a lot of people who can do the stuff. You have the hard skills. But yeah. we're seeing more and more yeah. a collapse of those soft skills, those intangibles, which yeah. are making Which a, is actually a, a causing hard. the actually causing the um so because of the soft quote unquote soft skills, intangibles, tang- like because those are uh, diminished, it actually diminishes the acquisition of the hard skills. Yeah. Oh, it, tell yeah. me more about that. What do you mean? That well, because sense. to acquire hard skills requires a certain amount of what you're describing. So you have to actually interact with people. And so as people, as we've become the kinds of people that don't interact with each other as much, that uh, the, the qualitative relationship between um, uh, learning in an environment where you can get really serious, crack a joke, uh, relate to each other, communicate difficult ideas, be easy to work with, like in a, like a learning environment, when that's gone, that changes your morale 
surrounding the acquisition and obtaining of skills. So it, it makes it a more wooden and rigid acquisition, and uh, which means um, it, it's plugged into the wrong. It's, it's, this, is what, this is to get specific. This is what we talk about where it's dehumanizing. So what, I mean, so what you're leaning towards is a, a sort of a um, humanization of, of work relationships. Like that's what it means to be human, relational. There's emotional range to it. You don't want people that are complaining the whole time. So, so um, a person who is complaining the whole time as the milieu by which they acquire a set of creative skills, let's say, becomes the strong association. So what happens is the skills themselves that are being acquired and their abilities are not even up to what they could be because it's, it's a depressed state mm. and a depressed acquisition. So they're just not as skilled because you're like, oh, I got to get this done. So it's like that versus the person who's like, dude, I get to do this. So I'm super stoked and I'm going to go like those two people. One is going to have more than the other just by default. And then yeah. that becomes the milieu that a lot of people can are most comfortable to function in, which is a negative milieu, a dehumanized milieu. Therefore, the turnover rate for jobs is higher. I mean, you just start to like look at it and people like are just like, I just rather be at home by myself. Yeah. And like what I've thought about a lot lately, especially coming from an education background, is like it used to be my job to coach people out of those behaviors. Mm -hmm. So they could so I could, you know, create an environment. Um, create like a persona in myself for them that was like a, a structure, a soft place to land and learn and take risks. Um, and then as a result, you know, like the kids can grow more. Mm -hmm. uh, they can learn more, they can yep. absorb more, they can be like happier, more well-adjusted humans in society. That is not my job anymore, yeah. but it is still like in my soul, that desire to do yeah. it. Unfortunately, what I found myself doing lately, and I wonder if the people that you're describing that sort of live in this negative space. And they're the same ones who like, you know, I only hire once. Mm -hmm. um, do they get that feed? Are they, are they receiving that feedback? Are they like, mm -hmm. oh man, like I yeah. only got to work on one project with that production company. Yeah, and I, I think the why. answer is no, because yeah. uh, we are entering into a, um, we're, we're in such a protected space that criticism can always be filtered through categories that deal with the identity of the individual and mm -hmm. it never allows you to get at uh, underlying character issues. Yeah. Well, I had a, had a conversation, <clears throat> I guess a couple months ago with someone who was kind of describing the same thing. They were in a, in a leadership position, uh, within a creative space. And they were talking about the fact that they had to let somebody go. Um, but the, the company was like, but you can't tell them why. And I was like, but, but, but how does that doesn't, yeah. it doesn't help them and it yeah. doesn't help us. Yeah. And they're like, Oh, but we're protected. And it's like, well, yeah, Maybe like, that's what are, not the funnest way to do things. Yeah, like that, I, I know exactly the story you're talking about and it was just like jaw dropping because then mm -hmm. what happens is like, and, and ultimately it might've been good because that person uh, got to keep their job and mm -hmm. this was not me we're talking about, by the way, <laughs> listeners. That person got to keep their job um, and therefore like it's a second chance and like the, the company was forced to find a, an area where that person fit better. Yeah. So maybe it is really good. Like the initial like stunned reaction to like you can't tell someone why they're getting fired the like, you know, zoom out the 30,000 foot view is like, oh, that person still has a job and it's a role at the company that fits their personality better. Maybe yeah. a net positive. Yeah, I think it, it ends up being a net positive, but I think at the at the end of the day, like if, well, one thing is, um, 
you know, all three of us have backgrounds in education, so this isn't going to be anything everybody really disagrees with. And we all have kids, so we understand it in a very explicit way in that respect. But um, there's a, like, like education doesn't stop, right? It's right. not like you get to a point and you're like, oh, I'm good. I got my skills, I got my knowledge. And so you always want in that space, whatever's going on, like I would want, maybe even in just an idealistic way, I would want to say, hey, like the people should still be learning. Yeah. You know, like, and, and one of the ways that we learn best is within a space that's, you know, humanized correction, critique, mm-hmm. and, and just helping somebody grow in a constructive way. Yeah. You know, and that's, um, but that's also one of those skills I think that is really transferable from, you know, cause somebody might say education to advertising, that feels like a giant leap, but I think it's got oh, a lot of transferable skills. Yeah. I mean, the one thing that just to put a pin on what you were just saying that I struggle with is like, what's my responsibility as a human, not like in my job description, but as a human, what's my responsibility to help freelancers grow people who do not work for my company. Yeah. I don't work with every day. Mm-hmm. Like Dre wants to do, we call it around my house, we call it good people. Shit. I want to mm-hmm. do the good people shit of like letting them know like, Hey, you could be really good. And I'm just one woman. It's just one woman's opinion, but I think you could be really good if X, Y, Z changed. Yeah, yeah. Um, but then to draw the parallel between education, like I think that there are parallels to everything, <laughs> but particularly, and more so uh, back at Madwell, I was more of a traditional agency producer there. So I wasn't like on set. I wasn't building the production crews. I wasn't writing scripts. I wasn't doing the stuff that I do now. My job was to make sure that the creative was uh, good. Mm-hmm. And it wasn't up to me to decide if it was good. It was up to like our executive creative director, but I had to make sure, you know, like it was getting in front of his eyes, his mm-hmm. crazy schedule. We were getting, uh, we were meeting all the milestones. Uh, people weren't feeling burned out. They had the structures that I would put in place, right? Like I would build the budget and the production calendar. It's like, okay, we have to have an internal review um, R1 on X date. I need like A, B, C, D, E people to bring their ideas there. So it was like the same idea that I was a few minutes ago talking about in the classroom. It's like, you have to provide these guardrails within which people can just do whatever they want. Mm-hmm. Like they can't concept, you know, like a, a spot that is a, a comedy spot. If we're looking to do something doc style, of course, like, but you need guardrails and structure. So like, you know, you have your unit plans mm-hmm. as a teacher that's going to last two months the project might last two months, like what check-ins, what tests, what quizzes, what uh, mm-hmm. like group projects exist within those like educational units. It is literally the same. And working with adults is literally the same, <laughs> like the same sort of yeah, like yeah. personality. Mm-hmm. You know, I can't put so-and-so and so-and-so in the same group, like that copywriter and that designer don't work well together. Let me like put them with somebody different. So they're, you know, their brainstorm ideas, they're like pre-production ideas are like better because as their teacher, AKA their creative producer, I realized like, here's what we have to do to make the best creative. Mm-hmm. Um, it is like, I, my coworkers and my husband probably hate me because constantly I'm like, this is just like teaching. <laughs> it is the same. <laughs> Listen to what happened today. Uh, <laughs> yeah, I'm sure they're like, no, 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 you don't, you, you don't get something. It's some, yeah. something you're not getting because yeah. this is so different. <laughs> but no, I think it's like, a, there's a huge amount of transferable skills and it's, it's something I think is talked a lot about, especially within an art school context, right? Because when parents come in and, you know, they're like, oh, you know, what's it going to be? Like, uh, I think a lot of the, the art schools who are truthful about things and are actually doing things well by their students, like they, they understand transferable skills. And so they understand like the, the, the importance of, mm-hmm. of helping people be more creative, uh, yeah. better at 
making ideas, better at um, taking something from some weird synaptic electrical impulses and make it into a tangible object that people interact with and can tell stories about. Um, those are you know those are transferable things that I don't. But but if we just sit heavy on like the skills, let's make the people who can just do this stuff. Well, they're a dime a dozen. Yep. Right. Like we can get a lot of people or you can get somebody who knows nothing and train them pretty quickly to do the stuff. Yeah. There are people who have a lot more experience in this industry than I do, who are better producers. I work with better producers than I am who are better directors. Like I'm, I'm pretty new to the director path and journey, but it's the one that I'm most excited about. Um, and yet I still have people within my organization and clients requesting me mm-hmm. and I've gotten the feedback that it's because of just sort of like the ease of communication and Mm -hmm. and the personality, like, and it could just be like, oh, well, my personality happens to vibe with that personality. But like, I've gotten that feedback so consistently and it feels a little bit like awkward to say it out loud, like a little braggadocious, if you will. Yeah. Um, And I don't mean it like that at all. It's just sort of to like double down on your point. Like I don't have to be as good because it's still fair. I'm only four years into this. Mm -hmm. I don't have to be as good at those things because I can make up for it and just sort of like listening, paying attention, being Mm -hmm. kind, like, noticing my surroundings and sort of like learning on the fly is the biggest thing. Well, think about that in a, in a space where people are less able to do, to do what you're talking about, it becomes, um, a rarity Mm -hmm. and, and something, uh, exceedingly desirable. So like say totally different world, but you know, I've said this, it's like, if I were going to be like a auto mechanic right now, you can get, or let's say like repairing computers, Mm -hmm you can make tons of money just by being honest, just by doing a good job and being honest. You don't have to go the route that competitive (laughs) route before, which was, Hey, we're going to have to go ahead and make up some stuff so I can get some cash. So this person's car has got these problems. Do it. You know, like, like that became such the norm that honesty became the, the thing. So it's like, if you're honest, Hey, I'm loyal. I'll even pay you more because you're honest. Yeah. Um, so it's like, what you know, what I'm saying is in the same way, like you're, you're describing, um, the secret sauce, like more and more people that I've seen in the last 15 years coming out of university at teach at, uh, I've seen the uber talented person over and over again, quit. Um, and I've seen the modestly capable person with all the other stuff mm-hmm. that we're talking about with them do really well. Yeah. yeah. I like to describe myself as modestly capable. Yeah. 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 I mean, it sounds marginally capable. Yeah. It's like, it's, it's not a diss. It's like, but it's know. like, you know, you know what I mean? But like, so you're like, here's this person with freak talent. Right. And here's this person where you're like, I'm not sure, but you know, there's a, but man, they're nice to work with. Yeah. There's like a, yeah. there's like a lot more there in total. Yeah. Maybe. And then, and then when you have the freak star and they've got that, those are the Oof. people that I've seen, like the rare few that just like, well, and that's the thing. So, like, so all those people, those like the the blue chip artists that you always hear about, right? Like, they there is a thing about them. Mm-hmm. Like, you can always point to the folks who are like, oh, they're a social pariah, and I don't know how they ever got all those shows yeah. or were that good. But you hear stories about all kinds of artists and designers all the time that were just like they were fan- phenomenal at a cocktail party. Mm-hmm. You know, like I, I you read stories about some of these artists I in the fifties and sixties. So bad, dude. It's I mean, Dang it. you know. 
never get good at this. <laughs> I, I tend to, what I do and I know I do this and like, I, I think eventually after like 30 minutes, people will just start, start to like drift away from me as I just go so deep so fast. Yeah. So like I'm perfectly content talking to the same one or two people all same night. Here. Yes, 100%. And I literally like, just did that we, two nights ago. Other <laughs> folks don't want that. People yeah. don't want that. No. I'm like, it's, why don't you want that? I know yeah. for real, it's like you're, you're on your phone looking at 15 seconds of people's lives all the time. Like why wouldn't you want to just have a yeah. conversation that lasted? That's my wife and I's fatal flaws. We are going to want to like get for real. Yep. Or I'm just going to end up making jokes all night. But the thing is, if I end up making jokes all night, it'll that's the class clown in me. It only works to make people laugh. It never works to... <laughs> get anywhere with the stuff that we're doing. Right. So it never helps <laughs> me. Like, but, but Ryan, where's the content? You're like, that was it. Just, that was it. Just, that was we're it. just, I don't know if it's just fun. Hey, do you want to talk about this program we're launching? Wait, you're uh, going to launch a program? You're, uh, no. no. <laughs> Dang it. Could you go back to the fart jokes though? Yeah. Could you tell some more fart jokes? <laughs> yeah, I can. <laughs> yeah. Well, I mean, I think, you know, one thing that maybe it points to is uh, maybe the, maybe things have changed with the way that we socialize and interact at like a top tier, top tier sort of way, right? Mm -hmm. the, 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 the first ways that we kind of interact with folks and maybe they're not as good as they used to be. I'm just going to say that not as, not as any sort of like, well, we've already been saying it. I mean, it's, it's yeah, just, no you know, we've been throwing everybody on the bus for a like long. the 30 minute conversation at the cocktail party is definitely better than me looking at your staged photo. You know what I mean? Like it's, yeah. it just, it just is. And it, I don't know what argument you have against. We that. already did a CR saturation <laughs> episode and that's right. Think about your staged photos. Yeah. So it's like, Oof. so it's one of those things where it's almost like maybe in the past we had such a glut of just like people who had marginally to good social skills and those, those intangibles were just kind of so normal that we took them for granted. And now we don't understand they were actually the most important thing all along. It's just, we're seeing less of that in like a really specific way. Yeah. Um, and it's, you know, I mean the courses I teach and I mentioned this before, like they teach a lot of soft skills. Mm -hmm. So when you have things like, how do you respond to somebody's problem with your work? That's a soft skill. Mm -hmm. I can't tell you, I can't give you cards and you pull them out of your pocket and go, well, <clears throat> This is what I think, because that's not how then it you're works. failing as an instructor. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> you mean you don't have a metric for that? Yeah. I, I never I got do. like I never got like career note cards from you when you were my professor. <laughs> They've never existed. That's good. I've never done it. <laughs> Did you know that I took um, like this is not extra unnecessary classes that I didn't have to take that Gareth taught? At really? Least. Yeah. No one's ever told me that before. Yeah, yeah. I was a journalism major. <laughs> okay. Um, yeah, get, let's go into this. Yeah, why, yeah. why are we Please. doing this? Yeah, because it's great. Because um, <laughs> you're the only one that can deliver this. Oh, yeah. Um, so yeah, the the year was 2008. Okay. I think. Yeah, probably. Yeah. I was there 06 to 10, and then I, I did grad school from 10 to 12. So I you weren't teaching in the school of education. No, I was not. Yeah. Um, so I took, what was that first class you taught? The, it was like, called intro to editing by design. Oh, editing by design. Yeah. So that was a requirement mm -hmm. for a journalism degree. It was awesome. He just had this sort of like irreverent, uh, like cool, real, raw way of teaching at like a very Southern <laughs> university that's like obsessed with decorum. Mm -hmm. Like he came in like not dressed like a frat boy. And I was like instantly like, yes. Um, and then the content was really good. And yeah. I was like thinking about magazines and, and things that I you know, consumed all the time in a, in a different way. And then um, I ended up somehow being ahead on credits, which is weird because I switched majors from business and failed a class my freshman fall. Um, 
but I had enough time to then take two more. So I took photojournalism and mm-hmm. then there was like a 300 level design class. There was advertising design. Advertising design. Yeah. So yeah, actually back in like, oh nine was probably, that was probably oh nine. Uh, foreshadowing of me being in this industry, which is pretty cool. Yeah. Crazy. I just like to, I just like to say, uh, I gave you your one credential yeah. in undergrad for <laughs> your job true. now. So you're welcome. <laughs> hey, yeah, listen, fast. I was a teacher. I did operations. <laughs> um, I made some indie films and also I took an advertising cl- course back in 09. <laughs> took one yeah. back in 09. It was great. With Dr. Snacks milk. Did, do you recall him eating snacks as a professor at all? I no. just, it, it's okay if you, okay. No. Not, never in the classroom. Never in the classroom. Never in the All classroom. Right. All right. And that, that is not a testament to my, uh, like, pulling back on snacks at any point. It is a full testament to not wanting to see uh, people 18 to 22 watch me. Yeah. I don't want to have that happen. I, that makes sense. <laughs> yeah, because I didn't want to be like. Yeah. Oh, I get don't that. do I get it. That. Don't do that. Yeah. Yeah, <laughs> I guess I don't really ever eat too much in class. Yeah, I mean, it's now a it's point. a little different because if it's on Zoom and they're like, I can only do it like 12, 15. I'm just like, well, you're going to watch me eat a sandwich. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I just turn it off. Yeah. <laughs> then I yeah. eat it and they can hear me eating it. Also, like, I, I think, you know, uh, all the awkwardness aside of y'all having this conversation. Um, <laughs> is there anything else you can say about Gareth before we, because I don't want him to let him off. So is there anything else we can talk about with Gareth's story? Probably not. I mean, Did he tell it's, jokes? it's all going to be, yeah. That was like one of the things I liked. Like okay. He just, I mean, I, I had some other very favorite professors, like Dr. Dolan stands out. Uh, he was great. Okay. Uh, <laughs> yeah. Um, but... No, I mean, after I graduated and I was teaching in North Mississippi, um, I wanted to start a, a school newspaper. Mm-hmm. Gareth drove up, did the first couple of like sessions with the kids. And there were like 40 kids uh, who showed up 40 the first day. 40 middle school kids. 40 <laughs> middle school kids in Bahia, which is Mississippi. Like, which is like 80 people. Yeah. Oh, yeah. yeah. <laughs> That's oh, yeah. very true. Listen, I taught middle school. Yeah. Yeah. So he did that. And then like a few years later kind of same thing in, at the school in Brooklyn, we were doing a zine making intensive and you happened to be there already. Yeah. Yeah. Zine scene. yeah. We, uh, was Callie pregnant at the time? Yeah. Yeah. So we were there, I was doing some research at, uh, at the Cooper Hewitt. <laughs> I, I just want to think about you and food. You're like, I was doing research at this delicatessen. So, yes. uh, so I will well, say, a lot of dumplings. I was going to say, we have a really fantastic picture of Callie and I shoving dumplings in our face yeah. from that trip. Um, but yeah, I was up at the Cooper Hewitt doing some research, uh, for grad school. It was a birthday trip. It was Penny's quote, first trip to New York. Uh, yep. cause she, Callie's like six months pregnant. <laughs> um, but yeah, we yeah. came up was great. You know what I you know what was a cool a cool like experience for me was um getting like watching Gareth speak to classrooms full of middle school kids. He's the same guy. Like you didn't <laughs> dumb down your language really at all. Mm. Um and I love that. Like you just set the bar where the bar is and like kids have to meet it. And mm-hmm. of course there there's differentiated instruction for kids with learning needs and things like that. But like yeah, in yeah. these situations is after school club. It's a zine making intensive like those kids have chosen to be there. Um, so like, even though you have a doctorate in this stuff, you were like this, 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 here's how it's done. Yeah. My dad always said, uh, children are not stupid. You just have people who treat them like they are. Yeah. Yeah. Mm -hmm. So that was cool. I don't know. We're like really off the rails here. No, it's it's good. Cause here's, here's what I wanted to to go ahead and like, (laughs) you want it. You wanted me to like say something funny. I really only have compliments. All you can do is tell the truth. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I just, I, I just need to know. So you've given me, but see, here's the thing, uh, from, uh, knowing Dre for like 15 ish years now, um, 
she's not going to pull punches. So she had some terrible yeah, crap. Yeah, that's what she would throw it out. Yeah, there. I believe it. So yeah, that's why so. I'm like, okay, I can live with that. I just yeah. don't. Yeah. Man, I'm, I'm happy. That's that, there's one relationship in my life. You dodged a bullet. <laughs> you dodged a bullet. Yeah. Well, it is funny. I do. I I don't want to dictate the course of this podcast. It's not my <laughs> podcast. But we've been talking a lot lately about range, mm-hmm. and I think that like our interactions over the years, from like journalism professor to like helping out with my classes, to you being uh, on a thing that I produced. Yeah. which we should talk about. It's called yeah, we packet. The next great package. It's out on YouTube. Mm-hmm. Um, packaging Garrett, design challenge. Garrett looks awesome on there. By he the looks way. awesome. He, he crushed so it. Good. He crushed it. Yep. Um, I thought you had a real good chance of winning. Yeah. I still am a little bit confused um, by the result, good, you know. but it wasn't up to us. I suppose choice. if like my longtime friend won, it would have been suspicious. <laughs> um, but anyway, and now I'm on your podcast. Like it's, we've had all these different inter- intersections of like, Really me just doing wildly different things. Mm-hmm. Um, but I think that you have a lot of range too, Ryan. I'm not so sure yeah. what your range is. Yeah, it's a, it's, it, I think, I, I don't know. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> I think Ryan's got a wide range too. I mean, yeah. uh, he's a painter that has a podcast. I will say that the first yeah. inclinations uh, of this podcast, um, from my side of things, I can't speak for Ryan's, but uh, back, I think it was actually, it was actually that same trip to New York when I was at the Cooper Hewitt. Um, I stopped by, um, the offices of an individual who was the executive director of a very large grant making organization for placemaking in the arts that will remain un- unnamed. And I said, Hey, so I'm looking for what would essentially be for your organization a micro grant of about six, seven thousand dollars. Because I want to do a podcast about visual art and design. And he was like, It's impossible. You can't do it. And I was like, But you're like the art guy. Like, you're like one of the top like five the granting people <laughs> for yeah, art. He's the art guy. <laughs> so he was like, he's like, I just don't know how you do it. I don't know how you talk about something visual. And I was like, well, we let me show you. You, you do every day. Yeah. I mean, it's not, you know, like stories are that, yeah. you know, books are that. And uh, he was like, yeah, I just, you know, he was like, hey, good luck with it, but I don't know. Oh, wow. So here we are, 130 yeah, are, episodes or whatever. Yeah, in. yeah, yeah. 130. Yeah, we, That's yeah. awesome. Yeah, we got That's range. I got, you know, I got range in narrow places. <laughs> That's all you need. Yeah, 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 yeah. yeah. So I just, I, the podcast came because students kept saying, hey, you're like a podcast. That would say my class is like a podcast. That's cool. Yeah, and, then, and that's what, and so then people are not, forever people will be like, if you ever do radio, you should be on radio. You get a voice for radio. You like, do, My yeah. whole life. So then, so then you're like, nah, no, no, no. But then I started to look at like, why would people, why would students over the years uh, say this, like, you're like a podcast. And I realized that professors had lost uh, reference to, to like knowing things and conveying things mm-hmm. because we became somewhat of an anti-authority culture. Mm-hmm. So pro- professors become like buddies, you know, that sidestep their authority in a lot of ways. And you let, you know, if you go ask students, how many students will say things like, are you learning? Well, not really, but I really, they're really nice. So, so you're like, that's the mm-hmm. thing. So I realized that because there's a whole generation of people that their experience with learning knowledgeable things was coming through podcasts and Ted talks. So the students would associate that and say, you're wow. like a podcast, you're like a podcast. That's crazy. Yeah. And then I'd have yeah. students that would say, you should do one. If you ever do one, I'll listen. So I'd always get, if you ever do one, I'll listen. If you write a book, I'll, I'll read it. Hell yeah. And that, that just kept happening over and over and over again. Mm-hmm. And I wanted to do an art and design journal. And, um, but I knew that those initiatives have failed repeatedly and it was because people don't read. 
So I was like, well, maybe if we, maybe if I do a podcast on art and design, or just art, um, that can build a listenership that will translate into a readership. And so that was like my initial. Makes sense to me. Thing. It's like, because you start to talk and then that, it's like, well, where's this coming from? Well, you got to read. You want to read with me? You want to read what we're like? It was like, that's it. You know, like, and then you start to see the way these things associate with each other. So I just, I, we were at Shaco and I walked up to Gareth and said, they come, they I'm going to do a podcast, man, on, uh, art and design, man, or on art. And Gareth was like, um, I've been thinking about doing a like, podcast. That's my idea. And he, we like looked at each other and he's like, I already got some stuff ordered. And I was like, you do? Yeah. <laughs> nice. like, he's like, yeah. I was like, yeah. Cause I'd finally gotten that micro grant. Yeah. <laughs> However many years later, kids listen to this podcast. <laughs> but when you keep saying micro, I keep thinking about that car we saw yesterday. Dude. <laughs> you can't say any more than that. I'm saying that dude had a really nice Lamborghini. Yeah. <laughs> but, uh, <laughs> He really did. I got a picture of it. He took a picture. It's a great. It was a Anyhow, beautiful so car. I can't. You can't keep saying micro grant. I so can't. I got that grant finally. Yeah, thank you. Um, <laughs> well, I think you know all these conversations. And the rest is history. Like we we started doing it. Yeah. But the thing with range is it has to do a um, it, it, with an you know in some ways an entrepreneurial spirit and a, a desire to see things manifested and a realization of of what you can or cannot do by yourself. Yeah. You know, like I think. Well, I think that's, you know, the, the, I think you mentioned it, Ryan, uh, when you said like, kind of like the, the scrappiness to like get in there and kind mm -hmm. of do the thing, even if like you're kind of up against the wall or maybe yeah. you're like, somebody would be like, well, this doesn't make sense. Sure. Um, and one of the things that we always like to get, and we usually get this a little sooner in the conversation, but wherever it comes, we're good, <laughs> um, is kind of the origin story, right? So as people who are, uh, fans of things like comic books and stuff, like the origin story is always really cool. Um, and also the knowledge that like those things that are in you and as adult, they, they came from somewhere. Right. So, um, I guess just simple question, kind of, you know, record skip back up a bit. Like, how did you, like, why do you even care about creative stuff? Like what, what was your kind of start? And yeah, where does that come from? Yeah. Oh, where'd it come man. from? It's so funny. I mean, I was, this is going to probably be a bit of a winding answer because I'll be thinking of, of it on the fly. Um, but thank you for asking because it's a good thing for, yeah, my, yeah. for me, myself to know. Um, I mean, I was so obsessed with sports as a kid. Mm -hmm. I was not really Which into sports? school. Um, softball primarily, but okay. then I, I got into golf. I played golf at Ole Miss. Okay. Um, so that was my my big sport. Um, and I just, I I was only like, so as a kid, creativity was not a thing I was into. I didn't even really get into like reading books until the first Harry Potter came out, I think when I was like 11. Mm -hmm. Um and then it probably, and like, not to like, you know, build your ego up too high, Gareth, but it probably came in college when I took the first design classes and cool. I was like, oh That's man, awesome. like there is a lot more to this than I ever realized. Like mm -hmm. every letter, you know, every margin, every spread is planned down to a T by people who have like a skill set that I to this day do not have, you know, like InDesign is a Rubik's cube that I never plan on figuring it out. Um, though Gareth did, did try. I, I could amen that one. He, he tried. I got you um, covered. It's good. Yep, yeah. Sorry. But, uh, I think it started by just appreciating, like appreciating in people skills that I, I didn't have. I sort of like spent the whole time being like, well, I'm good at this thing. Let me focus on that. Um, and so then like pulling the blinders back and, and seeing like, oh man, there are people who are very, very good at this thing. And it is a part of my everyday life. Mm -hmm. Um, I absorb information like 
I absorb information because of design. Mm-hmm. I absorb it differently because of the way something's designed. Um, that was huge. And then I, you know, I think I might've been a little bit intimidated. Like I knew I couldn't catch up by my like junior, senior year to be able to get a job in that field. So I went and got my master's in education and did that for 10 years. Um, but eventually just kind of like got pulled back because mm, I think like in the public school world, creativity is really tough. Um, you can like create interesting units of study and do fun projects. And towards my last few years, I had this amazing co-teacher, Liliana. Um, we did some really cool, and Kelly actually, we all did like really cool projects with our kids. Um, and they got to create, like I had a kid create uh, like a box of cereal where every you know piece of cereal was a different character from the book Unbroken or World War II, mm-hmm. like memoir. Um, and like, that was cool to see her, like be able to explain and like, she's a great artist. I think she might be like at Pratt now. Um, she got to do that in my humanities class. And so then suddenly I was like, oh man, like this is where like life is at, like being able to express yourself, whether you're creating like a custom box of cereal or you're putting on like a, like a play for your classmates and like writing a song with your ukulele. We want group of kids do that. Like I was like, this is, this is dope. And then like right around then Carrie and I got back together and we were making indie films and um, I just got to like sort of be on set. I didn't really know anything about filmmaking. Um, had always been into documentary style stuff, hence the journalism degree. But um, those days on set, whether I was like, there's one of my favorite stories is like, we made this micro, sorry, micro short. It's like a two and a half, <laughs> two and a half minute uh, horror short film um, in our old like abandoned apartment. And we needed this like certain audio jack. Uh, We didn't have it. And so I was biking around Brooklyn, going to all these like bodegas and like just hole in the wall electronic stores that had dust everywhere looking for this like old thing. And like even that to me felt like beautiful and creative. Like I have to like think of a solution to save this production that we're self-funding. I get to do my favorite thing, which is bike around Brooklyn. That's an added bonus. But like, where can I find, like, I think even like the way, the way that my thinking started to adjust, not just like chop wood, carry water, wake up at six, go teach your class, get off at four o'clock, go work out, go home, whatever. Like my life started to become more creative. Like Mm -hmm. how can I switch up my own schedule? How can I make things on the side? What can I, can we turn this into a side hustle where I get to like actually write pitch decks for things and like, you know, harken back to like my print journalism degree and English teaching background. Like now I get to like create words, even though it's like to try to sell something. Mm-hmm. Um, I think, yeah, I don't know if that even answered your question. Hey, real fast. So, so no, I think it, I think, yeah, I think it, it creates does. a, I got a couple of thoughts, but okay. one is one, I just wanted to go back and talk about golf for like a second oh, okay. embedded in, in what you just said. Okay. I like, like, cause I feel like there's a quote unquote intangibles in golf that are very particular. Like, so like, um, can you talk about golf a little bit? Like you golfing, yeah. Because golf is like right away. I'm like, you have to be a little bit of a, a glut for difficult <laughs> punishment. Like, for punishment yeah. for difficulty. <laughs> yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. I um, I, I to this day might regret choosing golf over softball. It is such a hard sport, um, and I am a very social person. Um, I love the team element of things, mm-hmm. and even though I had a golf team, and in, in team golf, you know, high school, college golf, um you, you know, the top four scores get added together and that's how your team score is decided upon. Um, you're still just out there alone. Mm-hmm. Yeah. You know, like on, we, in, in a lot of our tournaments were 36 holes one day, 18 the next. Mm. Um, so you're out there for like 10 hours 
with just wow. two other players, one from, a, and, they're, and they're not from your school. Mm-hmm. Um, you see your coach a couple times throughout the day. Mm-hmm. Um, I, I wish I had seen her less <laughs> than a couple times throughout the day. There was one time when I was leading the <laughs> SEC tournament. We did not have a good relationship. I was leading the SEC tournament, first place at the SEC tournament after not having a great career thus far. I think it was my junior year. Um, and I hadn't seen her all day. I'm like one under par, 16th hole, par three over water. She walks up, she goes, what club are you gonna hit? And I was like, seven iron. She goes, not hit six. I'm like, you, I haven't seen you all day. Like, what are you doing? <laughs> but like, she had this very like, you know, dictatorship style of coaching. And I just, you know, I was like, yes, ma'am. And like, I'm from the North. I didn't grow up saying ma'am. But at that point I had been trained. Yes, ma'am. And sure enough, I blew it over the green, flew the green. It was, it was too much club. Hit it in the water, made double on that hole. Ended up shooting 79, which is seven over par. So in the last three holes, I was eight over par. Mm. Um, and didn't really recover from that, like mentally at all in college yeah. ever. Like yeah. I ended up not playing my senior spring. I got my fourth letter. You could, golf has two, two seasons. Mm-hmm. So my senior fall, I got that fourth letter and felt good just sort of like walking away. Mm. And it wasn't until probably like five years ago that I got into it again. Carrie mm-hmm. and I play a lot. I think that I'm as good of a player now as I was like in high school, mm-hmm. um, which is to say better than I ever was my four years at Ole Miss, mm. um, which makes it fun. But yeah, it's a brutal, mentally brutal sport. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I guess like part of me thinks, because I don't, I don't play, but it, it, it's the kind of sport where you have to like um, concede a high level of failure. Yeah. Yeah, like cause that's just like a given. And, and so then like the way you ground appreciation for what success is seems like it may be different. Yeah. I used to, I was such a mental train wreck for a while in college. I used to resent my best friend who played basketball at Ole Miss, Liz Robertson, hell of a three point shooter, like the most beautiful shot you've ever seen. Mm -hmm. Um, and I was like, you know, Liz, you can airball a three pointer and it's fine. You'll just get another chance next time down the floor. It's like, if I hit a ball on the water, like I'm screwed, which wasn't true. Like, people hit one ball in the water all the time yeah, yeah and they recover from it. Yeah, but yeah, like yeah. at that time in my life, I was like, that's just not fair. Your sports, your sports easier. Yeah. And you guys get more recognition for playing it than golfers do. Nobody yeah. cares about golf. Like I was just, I was a mess. Yeah, yeah. 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 So then like, so then like, it sounds like maybe some of the intangibles that are bound up in you and golf that are maybe positives were clouded in just your mental state at the time. But then like, you take that and f- push it forward into the story about like hunting for um, hunting for you know a part in bodegas on a bike, working yeah. with a team. Like there's a similar spirit that that's the same yeah. thing, but it's um, freed up in in relational terms. You, you know, like you're in you're in you're freed up because you're in proximal relationship to folks, like yeah. you said. And I guess I'm tying that back to what you were talking about earlier as far as like um, soft skills. Yeah, yeah. The difference between s- golf as a skilled sport. Yeah. But everything is depressed. Yeah. And then the skills are diminished because the relationships are diminished. Yeah, correct. I'm, I'm not somebody, I think <clears throat> that's a really interesting point. I don't think, I think what I learned about myself and maybe just like realized because you just said it that way is like, I'm not one to just do something cause it's gonna benefit me, mm-hmm. which isn't altruistic. Like I don't mean it like that. Yeah. Uh, it's just like, I need external motivation. Like yeah. I need a team. I need validation. I need someone to say good job, mm-hmm. <laughs> you know? And yeah. I need, and I need to make someone feel like they did a good job because like we collectively did a, 
did good work. Yeah. Um, and a golf course is not the place to get that. Yeah. 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 <laughs> no. So that's interesting. I mean, cause you take that mindset into like, you know, some people are right. This so, so tied all together and you got people that are like, I work alone mm-hmm. and, and you don't actually get all the satisfaction from it because there's these other aspects to being human mm-hmm. yeah. that galvanize this. And the other thing I guess I want to ask you about is like in that equation then is closure on projects and like finalizing things, the, the satisfaction that comes from finishing, you know, a project is that, I mean, that sounds like that then becomes pretty significant for you. Yeah. It's funny. It depends. Like as a director, mm-hmm. yes, that is the best. As long as a client hasn't like totally ruined the vision because of their <laughs> feedback, you know, it's like, as we'll, we'll go through like three or four rounds of revision we'll put our, our rough cut together. We think it's in a good place. We lay a track under it that we think really works. We time it up to that track loosely because you don't want to take too much time doing that because you know it's going to change. Um, and then, you know, clients have their C-suite who and their, you know, their CMO in particular, um, who is going to be like, no, we can't do that. We can't say that. Reword it this way. Move this around. And it like often in advertising, what sucks is that like your creative vision is not really yours. But on projects where like they do trust us and I get to with the editors and the sound mixers and the colorists and all of those people that, you know, the animators get to make something really dope that like is our original vision. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Best feeling in the world. However, on a lot of projects, I am both the director and the producer. Mm-hmm. I don't do the rap stuff that a producer is supposed to do. Gotcha. It's a problem. Uh, my boss, hey, Kevin, um, would say like, <laughs> no, she's terrible at rap. Bind- they're called rap binders. <laughs> uh-huh. Like, because I, I, I've found myself just being so much more drawn to the creative than the like producery logistical skills. Gotcha. That it's like once a project is shipped and that video is final and it's out in the world, like, why would I go back to it? Right. And like actualize the budget, please. Yeah. 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 <laughs> Interesting. Yeah. Yeah. I think, I mean, you're talking about like the intangibles that come with golf and, you know, I think finishing is one of those things, right? Because like, I mean, let's, let's, you're out there playing 18 holes in your second hole. You're like six over. You like, got tiger, six, like Tiger yesterday. Yeah, you got you got yeah. 16 more holes. Tiger hasn't been the same since steroids. Oh, man. <laughs> yeah. I actually, I speaking about like there. mental hot take, I think that had he not hit his very first drive yesterday, uh, in, it landed in a divot. And, you know, it's not like us amateurs and go out there and move it out of it. You had to hit it out of it. And as a result, the ball didn't fly far enough, landed in the water. He made double bogey on the first hole. Mm. Um, I think he's not the mental giant he used to be. Mm-mm. It used to be that no, he he's, yeah, he's would recover a from a double or like not. He missed like a three foot putt for bogey. Can I give you my theory on that? Yeah. He's not the mental giant anymore. This is why I really do believe he did performance enhancing drugs because no bro, one expects it. Bro got swole. Yeah, he got yeah. swole and no one expects it in golf. So yeah. just like Barry Bonds, if you go back and you watch, he started to wear bigger shirts mm-hmm. that covered more of his biceps. Mm-hmm. He started to get bigger. Mm. As someone who did steroids a long time ago, <laughs> you start to hide. Yeah. Um, when you get big and people are like, wait a minute, dude, you've always been skinny. Why are you so huge right now? I was like, oh, cause I'm just eating more depressed. chicken. Depressed. the gym, man, 24 hour fitness. Yeah. Uh, chicken breast. It was a dark time in my life a long breasts. time ago. Um, protein breathe. shakes. Yeah, exactly. Creatine, dude, creatine. <laughs> <laughs> um, my urine is solid now, but. I'm yeah. jacked. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> but, but truthfully, I don't know. I, I just, he was, a, I was saying this before, but he's tied into all of those. Um, a lot of athletes, I won't name all the names, but they were tied into um, this whole Miami. Yeah, I read right? about this. Yeah. You so, know who they are. Yeah, yeah, so we know who they are. So so what, what I say that though is like, what's interesting is like a lot of guys do it because of their ability to recover. It's not like you, it doesn't make you a better golfer. Like he's, he really is everything that he was, but what happens is it int- introduces a certain level of 
um, confidence that's mm-hmm. artificial. Interesting. So then you're so now when that's missing, you're aware of the absence of that presence in in yourself. Yeah. And now your mental screwed because you because you made a choice that you didn't have to make, and that changes your and he, and so like if you look, he had like his um is the the rupture moment which was the the car accident and the wife finding out he's cheating all these things and that looks like that's the reason but but in that like he probably was um off the rails because he was he was performance enhancing so he's just probably out of whack so then in order to get right you can't go back and do that but what's lost in that is your mental now because your mental is always aware that you did something that assisted you you know what I'm saying? Yeah, like yeah. in a Makes game a that is so mental. I buy that theory. Yeah. 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 I think but but that whole like that whole finish thing, like wherever that mentality is kind of coming from, like that I think is one of the largest problems that even like just amateur golfers have with golf is like it is a much more mental game in mm-hmm. so many ways than a physical game. Yeah. Because you see these like 80-year-old dudes go out there with like Charles Barkley swings and they're like hacking at this thing, right? Mm-hmm. And you're like, what is this? And they're, they're scoring, they're like, yeah, I'm three over for the day. And you're like, really? Because you look like you're about to break your back yeah. when yeah. you play. Yeah. And it's yeah. like, no, it's a mental thing because they're like, I'm just going to knock this down about 120 yards every time and I'm good to go. Yeah. And that's something that that's tough. But, but when you get into this idea of like, all right, you're in a full production, you got all these parts, all these variables, like that feels like a hole of golf for me. You got all these variables. All the winds here, the slopes here, the grass is here. That guy's a jerk, and the person over here was saying something. My last shot was like this, and and I'm hot, and I don't want to be here, and I got a work thing after this afternoon or whatever. You got a million variables you're playing with, but you still got to get done. Do you yeah. like that though? Because it takes some of it out of your hands. Is that is that like part of the interest? If that makes sense, like you of, can't do I like production because yeah, of that? yeah. Does that appeal to you that like there's a interplay between the way you influence a team? but you can't like micromanage the team or maybe you can, I don't know. Yeah. I, I think there's gray between those two options. Cause I don't think about anything on a production is not in my control. Okay. Like I look at it like the buck stops with me. Yeah. So if something goes wrong, even if it's the gaffer who messed it up, like I'm the one who hired the gaffer and then maybe like wasn't clear enough on the expectation. Maybe I didn't like connect that gaffer to the DP and the, if the director's not me, if it's somebody else, like maybe mm-hmm. I didn't connect them. Or if I am the director, like I, I didn't, you know, clearly communicate. Like I want this scene to feel, you know, mm-hmm. moody. I want this scene to feel crisp. I want a key on the right side of someone's face. Like if I don't say what I need to say perfectly, yeah. And it's not just what I want. It's like what I know the client wants. That's right. whose money we're spending. Yeah. Um, I'm the person who has to. Yeah, you got to do it. That's your that's your responsibility. And it's on me. Yeah. Is that a is that like a an industry norm? Like I don't I don't know enough folks in the industry to know if like that's the mindset that's typically there, or if that's yeah. one of those sort of intangibles that people are like, nah, I want to go with her. No, I think it's very much there. Um, it is a really intense industry, and I've met. I mean, in the the school that I worked in, Brooklyn Community Roots, was full of like brilliant, brilliant minds. Mm-hmm. Um, like really beautiful place. And just like they got, they, they were able to recruit like the best and brightest. I sort of like dumb lucked my way into a teaching gig there. I started in like the elementary school office and then an opening came up and I was like, you know, I used to teach English. And they were like, oh, the kids know you. Okay. And like, that's how I got there. But everybody else was like (laughs) extremely bright. I was afraid going into advertising that that wouldn't be, and and they also worked their asses off. Like it was crazy. Um, Elementary school teachers getting there at 630 and leaving at 630 or seven every single day all year. Um, 
So I was afraid to like, uh, one, I was kind of looking forward. I was like, maybe advertising won't be like as much of a grind, mm -hmm. LOL. Um, <laughs> and, and I was a little bit afraid that like people wouldn't be as smart mm -hmm. because that's what I was around for 10 years. Um, and that the opposite is true. Mm -hmm. Like not the opposite. Like I would say equal levels of intelligence. And then like, yeah, the work ethic is very different, but like pre-production, whether you're an account manager, maybe like mostly if you're an account manager. So that's the person that like interfaces between like me and the client mm -hmm. and our creatives and the client, like very stressful job. Um, they have to like basically like be mind readers, synthesize mm -hmm. what the client says and, mm -hmm. you know, regurgitate it back to us. Um, like everybody takes a lot of ownership and feels an insane amount of stress in pre-production. So when mm -hmm. you're like, if you're in like, like right now I'm in pre-pro on two projects at mm -hmm. once, like it is wild. Like I've got, after this podcast, I'll probably have like, you know, 40 unread emails from this morning. <laughs> um, and some of them I don't have to respond to, I'm just copied on, but that's very yeah. different than like, that's not my responsibility. Like I need to right. know what is going on and every single person who's on it feels the same level of like pressure. Cause it's like, it's a lot of money. You know, people are spending hundreds of thousands of dollars on something. Yeah, You feel pressure to like build your own personal book you feel pressure to like bring up the younger people who are working with you who are like maybe brand new here. Mm -hmm. um, and you also want to like make sure that the relationship with this client stays because especially if it's one that you like, it's like, I want, I want them to come back to us again. Mm -hmm. It's like every single thing, every single decision feels very heavy. Uh, yeah. And I like that actually. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So, so you like the pressure or that, yeah. Yeah, 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 yeah. See, I mean, I think you have to, that's the thick skin thing. Plus you like the pressure. It's like if you, yeah, there's people that just can't, just not wired that way at all, I guess. Advertising is not for them. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's, uh, <laughs> yeah. What well, about in an entrepreneurial perspective? What about, um, I only want to ask this question because it's rare that we get to ask this question. Yeah. Like, I don't think we've, but you, it's like you and Carrie both do work. And so what is it like where there's overlap of a kind, it seems, in work, and then there's distinction in work? Like, what's it like uh, being in an intimate relationship with someone who, like, is this competition? Are you, you are you, yeah. you are you more competitive than Carrie? Oh yeah, yeah. I was yeah, just yeah, saying, yeah. I, that's yeah. my guess. Yeah, from what I'm gathering, and so I'm wondering what that's like when you you're also, you know, like when I, I mean, Laura and I talk about my wife, we talk about ideas all the time, but we also are not executing ideas in the same way. So there's never any real competition of any kind. Yeah, uh, there's definitely not competition between us, okay. which I actually saying that out loud is like really cool because he's not not competitive. Yeah. I'm just more competitive. Yeah. Like, yeah, like, yeah. Like, <laughs> but our, our baseline of, of competitive spirit is high. Yeah. Um, but we work at very different agencies. Mm -hmm. um, his does a lot more like digital, social. Okay. Uh, they make beautiful stuff. Um, and mine is more, a, we're, we're actually more of like a creative studio. Okay. We're not, we do less traditional agency work. Mm -hmm. Um, we're a production vendor and we do have the chops to like ideate on creative with clients too. And we do that a lot, but like he, he's an agency and they hire external, they would hire a company like mine mm -hmm. to execute their production. They would build the creative and then they would hire us. So gotcha. it's like actually two pieces of a puzzle. Um, That's awesome. but it's, it's really cool to, and we share resources all the time. He's like, mm -hmm. Hey, I need a, I need a storyboard artist. I'm like, okay, I got a guy. Like, hey, do you know any DPs in LA? He's like, yeah, reach out to these folks. It's like really nice. Um, but back before we worked in the same industry, I will say that like sort of the advertising grind was lost on me 
Cause like on a Friday at a school, like I'm going to happy hour with the teachers at four 30 and he's like, Oh, sorry, I got to stay. We're getting this asset out by six. And I'm like, are you the one editing it? Do you have to stay till six? You're not the editor. <laughs> and, and as like, come meet us, you know, like peer pressure, like, come, come on, come on, have a drink with me. Um, and he's like, no, I can't do it. And like, now I get it. Yeah. Like now I know why. Um, so we have this shorthand that is really helpful. Um, in our marriage, like, Hey, I'm in pre-pro that week. Um, just so you know, like, can you do morning drop off for Isla? Yeah, no problem. Um, and that's super helpful. And then we also worked together, the greater full productions we built together. Um, and though it is now, we still have the LLC, but it's mostly just like a dormant indie film production company. We did make some money doing some work with it for a while. Um, that was mostly cool but we have very different creative styles. So Carrie thinks that creativity can only come from, I don't know if he thinks this anymore, it'd be fun to ask him, um, only comes from like tension and disagreement. That like the best ideas must be like fire tested to the nth degree. And only once that has happened, can they be proven as the best ideas. I am a lot like softer in that way, which is opposite of our real personalities. Like he is softer and I'm a little more like abrasive probably. Um, or aggressive. I hope I'm not abrasive. I'm a little more aggressive. Um, yeah, I wouldn't say you're abrasive. Okay. Sometimes. Um, <laughs> but I would, you know, and because I was new to it, I'd be like, I, I wrote and directed this. The first thing I ever wrote and directed was called crushing it. It's like mockumentary short film based on the two of us and our ridiculous dynamic. Um, and I would be like, Hey, I want to try this. He was editing it. I had directed it. And I was like, try this, you know, like, I don't really know editing terms at that time. So I was like, scooch that green box to the left, like, you know, a couple of frames. And he'd be like, oh, like it's not going to work. And I'm like, can you just try it? It's not going to work. I'm like, just try it. So he'd try it and it would work. Um, and then other times the opposite would happen. And I would just like get really frustrated. Like, can't you just trust me? Like, this is very low stakes. We self-funded it. It might get into some film festivals. That's going to be it. Um, it ended up being pretty good for like the time and the budget and it being my first and he's not really an editor. Like, so like we were all trying things we had never done before. Um, and it, I'm pretty proud given that context of how it turned out. Um, so we've gotten to like a lot of like knockdown drag outs about that. I'm like, can't you just <laughs> not like meet me like a brick wall every time <laughs> I suggest something. And it happened on like paid gigs too. Like I remember this, this time we shot a branded spot, um, for like an appliance brand called Mila and he was the director. I was just the producer on that. And he and the DP, who's a good friend, Dylan, um, they had this like interview framed up and it was like 180 flipped, in my opinion, the wrong way. Like what was behind us was a lot more engaging. I was like, guys, can we frame that up and look at it? And they were like, nah. And I was like, we're ahead of schedule. Talent's not here yet. Can you, can you just show me? Like it's not going to work because of those uh, pendant lights that are hanging. I'm like, no, those are going to get like a nice, if they're out of focus, they'll have like this nice, beautiful glow. It's going to make this place look really warm. And they were like, <sighs> 10 minutes later, they came back. They're like, hey, we tried it. And I was like, and they're like, it looks dope. <laughs> I'm like, why was your gut reaction to be like, no, to like, you know, and I, uh, I laid all these things. I'm like, it's because I'm new. It's because I'm a girl. It's because I'm <laughs> Carrie's wife. Like all these things that probably had nothing to do with it. It's because um, I played golf in college. It's because no one cares about golf. golf. Yeah, <laughs> no one thinks it's a real sport. So therefore I'm not a real producer. Yeah. Yeah. Um, but since I think we've gotten a lot better, we, we create, we collaborate creatively a lot less now because we have full-time jobs that yeah. are not our, our side hustle never turned into our main hustle. Sorry. Uh, sadly. This is the entrepreneurship series. Our entrepreneurship failed. <laughs> but it didn't it, failed. It just it led uh, me. Well, it didn't. It got it, you to a point. Exactly. It led me to this career. Yeah. That's right. Yeah. Um, yeah. 
No, I think that's great. Um, and I, I, just as an outside observer of y'all's relationship for whatever, 15 years, uh, it's, it's fantastic to watch because I don't have to be involved in any of those fights. Um, <laughs> but, but I do get like a text or a call every once in a while about things or, you know, hanging out, having drinks or dinner or something. It's like, well, this thing. I'm like, yeah, okay, cool. <laughs> You'll do your thing. Um, it's great. Um, I think it, it's really intriguing. Like I, I love, I love these stories where, where folks like have such what seem like very disparate things going on, but they all come together really well. Mm-hmm. Um, and I know that, uh, you know, you've mentioned, um, some of the same sort of things in conversations. Um, but, um, one thing I, I think, you know, probably a, a good way to kind of transition the, the conversation is now like, okay, we've heard about, uh, your past, kind of what you do, how you got there, a lot of that sort of stuff. But maybe talk about a couple of projects that uh, either were favorite projects or things you might be working on now that you can talk about. Um, and, you know, and just like, yeah, so what's what's now, what's what's happening, what, what kind of stands out? Yeah, um, I think that my favorite paid project. Yeah. Because Crushing It was definitely one of my favorites. Um, but my favorite paid project so far was a, an eight minute branded documentary for Amazon. They mm-hmm. have um, this vertical called Kuiper, K-U-I-P-E-R. And it's about, uh, it's, it's, they're building satellites to provide internet mm-hmm. um, to like remote parts of the world. So uh, last year they were like, hey, no one's heard of this. We've, everyone's heard of Starlink. Like, will you guys come and like make a, we need it to be like eight minutes long. It's got to fit into this. Uh, the Amazon has what's called all hands which is pretty self-explanatory. It's like a town hall. They have a couple per year and Kuiper wanted to announce themselves to every Amazon employee globally, which they're obviously millions. Um, and we want you guys to make something eight minutes or like just anything like you guys are going to like, well, we want you to interview like our CEO and our like head of operations and our head engineer. But like beyond that, like just tell us what you can come up with. So me being me, I was like, let's make a doc. Um, so we convinced them to let us go out like, an hour and a half outside of Seattle, which is where they're, they're headquartered, um, a little town called Cleelum, which we had done some research and we pulled a sort of like a local line producer fixer type in um, and found a few folks who would let us interview them. Um, and we had, we had confirmed that they had really garbage internet out there, no fiber. Um, I think they're paying like, we pay like 80 bucks a month here for like gigabit Verizon Fios fiber optic, they pay 80 bucks a month for like two upload, five download. Like it's crazy. Wow. Um, so we shot, I mean, it's like, it was autumn. It was the Seattle mountains. We would like drive over the pass every day from Seattle over to like where Cleallum was. There's a little bit of snow and, but like also the leaves hadn't all fallen off yet. Um, so the scenery, you know, my DP on that, um, who's one of my favorites to work with, Mike Greenberg, he was like hanging out the side of the car, like shooting his camera, like definitely not union compliant Hmm. um, situations, flying drones. And we like got to talk to real people and we heard, we heard crazy stories. Like uh, this woman who owned an outdoor store was pregnant and something bad was happening. She could tell she's in a lot of pain and she could not get a call out to anyone. Her Mm -hmm. husband wasn't home. Her other kid wasn't home. Um, so she had to walk like several miles mm. to get a signal to be able to like call an ambulance. Mm. Um, and this coffee shop owner, her son was a senior in high school the year the pandemic hit and uh, had to move to her uh, her sister's house, I think, to even be able to like take classes to graduate high school. Another couple in town like opened up the back of their shop and turned it into like an internet speakeasy because you weren't allowed to have people inside. 
because it was COVID, but like they were going to make kids sit in, you know, <laughs> the Pacific Northwest in wintertime mm-hmm. outdoors, oh, yeah. Jeez, um, yeah, taking classes. So like getting to the fact that it was a branded doc that like Amazon, this like a mega corporation was paying for it, like could have been rough. It could have yeah. been like, just go make some propaganda garbage. About Jeff Bezos and spaceship. Yeah, 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 but it wasn't. Like we got to talk to real people and Micro. we got to have a lot of- <laughs> Sorry. We got to have a lot of ownership over the story in the final edit. And I think yeah. it's it's pulled in a lot more work for us at Melka, which is like obviously a great feeling. Yeah. Um, that people saw it, liked it. And although it was supposed to be internal at Amazon, they loved it so much that they blasted it out like to the world. Um, and now we're actually making like, several more, sorry, micro docs for them. Mm-hmm. Um, kind of like all over the world, like going right. to do the same thing we did in Cleelum, but in other places. Um, That's so awesome. Very stoked. That's I've never, cool. I've never shot anything internationally and I'm yeah. very excited about that. Oh, this is a, this is a space of content that I really, really enjoy. And I know, and part of it is because y'all have uh, just shown me so much really good content this way. Um, but it, I also like the fact that it kind of pushes against some of the norms that we have within like, you know, just the, the ignorance of social media, like where it's like, Hey, if you could sell somebody an $800 thing in eight seconds, can you do that real quick yeah. for us? We get It'd those asks sometimes. I hate them. Well, it's tough, right? Because yeah. like, I mean, you know, at the heart of it is like that, that is a super kind of dehumanizing thing where it's like, just vomit some stuff to somebody, manipulate them enough to make them spend some cash. Yep. Um, and, and, but I think like you talk about like an eight minute thing, like you're actually able to tell a story about something you can, yeah get some stuff across. I and mean, I know you've mentioned this before, but you know, a, a company out there that really like nails that like Yeti is great. Oh my God. Their stuff is incredible. And they even like, because their focus is really on connecting people and telling stories. Mm-hmm. Like they're like, yeah, product is secondary to the people that are doing this stuff. There might not be any product placement in those docs. No, it's like, great. It's- and I saw some social content. You may have seen this the other week and it was, um, they had pulled a cooler off of a boat fire and they opened it up and it was, you know, there was the logo around the inside of the top. The thing was charred. I didn't even know what it was. They were just like, it was like, check those the out. Stuff inside Very like okay. viral clickbaity crap. Yeah. And I was like, what, the, what is that? And then they said they pulled it out of a burning boat. They opened it up. There's the Yeti logo on the inside of the, the uh, cooler. And there's still ice in the cooler. Stop it. The boat had been on fire. <laughs> this is plastic. That's it crazy. had cooled down enough from being think, on fire. I don't think my igloo cooler is going to have the same. <laughs> nah, your igloo <laughs> cooler is gone and your beers are toast. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, like, but it was just like, it was like, this is nuts, but that's the sort of thing. And you know, the whole point, like it was actually something put out by a guy who does um, like human centered marketing sort of stuff where he was saying, he's like, this is, he's like, these people are fans. Mm-hmm. You know, yeah. it's like, we've created fans because the product is good. Yep. So we have human interaction based yeah. off that. And I think that's, you know, it's one of the things because it's real easy. You know, we, we talk a lot about stereotypes on the show. Artists and designers, we have our stereotypes, you know, and like, I'm sure that you're well aware of those advertising stereotypes. You know, oh, yeah. I'm sure that people throw them in your face all the time and say stuff where they, you know, grab on some virtue and be like, well, you know, advertising is just a manipulative organization right. that does nothing but tries to take my money for no reason. Yeah. It's like, no, you can tell authentic stories, honestly. Like, and, you and, can. and the Kuiper thing is cool because like they're not actually trying to sell units yet. Like they're trying to get uh, like governmental buy-in, like mm-hmm. funding, sure, but also just like the permits to like send satellites mm-hmm. into space. Yeah. And like what I know about the engineers over there is that like they care a lot about the issue of space junk. Like they don't want to add to it. Yeah. Like so they're doing it responsibly, but like what they're ultimately doing is like it, it could potentially improve the economies of developing countries. Mm-hmm. Like suddenly countries that don't have fiber can be on the internet and mm-hmm. like interact with 
people who have high speed internet, like that's crazy. Yeah. So like, they're not selling, like it's, it's a social, and not all of my clients are doing like that level of social good, but like right. you try to find those like nuggets and it's okay. It's like, I don't know if it's like too much of a stretch to be like, well, this is helping like me make money and be creative and therefore be a better mother and daughter and wife and like all of these things. Like, I think that it doesn't just have to be like, well, what you do I think is bad. It's like, well, no, like I'm contributing to the economy. Yeah. It's not a one-to-one. I'm going to say, and those are, those are huge things, yeah. right? I mean, the fact that like you don't, you know, that you're, you're doing a job where you don't, I mean, there's plenty of things you could be doing that, that are not good. Yeah. Right. And yeah. you could be like supporting your family in that way. And that's not what you're doing. You know, and that's, I think it's, there's a lot of wonderful things there. And I think that that's a hard thing because within, uh, within the arts, you sometimes get a highly, highly idealized where it's just like, well, I can't, I can't go and do that. I got to do yeah. this. So it's like, maybe it's, maybe somebody out there like might struggle with the idea of like, well, no, you like, you should always just be making those indie films. There's, there's purity there. And it's like, well, you can do the same sort of thing and, and not like, eke out in existence and that's well, yeah. nothing there's nothing wrong with that and i can't keep making indie films if i'm not making money and yeah and making <laughs> exactly. and and making you know contacts in the industry like i now have you know a few dps who you know my agency or our clients will pay a lot of money to shoot something that's an mm -hmm. ad but because of that and because we work well together i can be like hey on a free weekend do you want to come like shoot this indie that we wrote hell yeah i do yeah it's like you can do both you should do both yeah, yeah, yeah. I think yeah. so. There's yeah. some legitimacy there. Um, well, I guess, I mean, is there any last stuff you have? Well, running? plug that um, thing you did with Gareth. It gets real, real hard. And oh, loud. it is called. Where can we find that? It's called Packet, <laughs> the <laughs> next great package. Let me make sure I'm not missed because I think the title changed Gareth a couple times. Right no, it's, it's all good. I was I was just trying to like stealthily get, get out of Yeah, out I know. Of yeah. That's why the, I brought that. The Packaging Recycling Design Challenge, Episode 2. Episode 2. Delivery Meal Kit. We should link it yeah. in this podcast. I think we should definitely link it. There'll be a link in the and description. Yeah. yeah, there'll be a link in the description. Right, Gareth? Yeah, yeah. Okay, great. Sure. Yeah. <laughs> Gareth's shy there about will being be. seen. No, it's, it's, uh, it's, it's fine. Yeah. It's fine. Hey, we want to show Drake and do, okay? Yeah, yeah, totally. I mean, she was a big part of all this stuff. Yeah. Um, she uh, she had some other engagements during shooting. Yeah, that so just so just, bummed about it. Just terribly, a terrible situation pulled her away. Oh um, yeah, she I just was a, had to go. Bike the shoot got fans. yeah. The shoot got pushed <laughs> to a week that I had planned a year ago, which was to go on a bicycle trip through Bordeaux. Uh, um, so like every time I would tell people like, oh, I'm sorry, I just like I I can't move this vacation. They're like, what are you doing? I would tell them they'd be like, yeah, no, do that. Yeah, <laughs> it's yeah, okay. Yeah, yeah. Uh, yeah. Yeah. All, yeah. I, all I know is that a friend of mine wasn't there to direct me because she had oh, to ride a bike through France. Yeah. So it's. <laughs> I also had to drink wine. Had to drink wine. And, yeah. and I had to drink. <laughs> and she discovered for a large group of us that they have baguette vending machines in France. <laughs> wow. Which is it the is. craziest yeah. That makes sense. That's yeah. so American of France. <laughs> yeah, right? I also discovered that like French Michelin star food is not for me. Oh, it's a lot it? of foie gras. Oh, a lot, a lot of pate. A lot of ground up. Oh, I just got like <laughs> <up> weirdly <laughs> grossed out. Was it at least like really small portions of it? Yeah. Usually. Oh, I mean, that's, yeah. That's hey, so here's what I think. Benefit. I think we need to have you and Carrie back on in the future okay. together. Yeah. You down? Yeah. Okay. I, I don't feel like we've. No, I think that'd be great. Unpacked everything. Ryan and I'll just There's more stories to tell because you're, you're generating all kinds of stuff. And I just think there's a great 
four four of us conversation. That would be fun. Yeah, we yeah, we probably have even more like derailments and sidebars than I caused today. Yeah, if it's the both of us. The but. goal is to have derailments okay. sidebars. So cool. like if we can have more, yeah, it's, we can really balloon this out. Great. We'll we'll bring food in. Yeah. Yeah. We'll make it a whole thing. So Ryan, Ryan brought this. Thing. You like that? I, t- you had all my favorite words there. Okay. <laughs> um, so the uh, Ryan brought this thing to my attention years ago that now is uh, illuminated my entire past, which is the idea of satellite brain debris, um, which is the stuff that's always circling. Yeah. And that sometimes makes it into the atmosphere. Yeah. Um, or it breaks in orbit. It's the, it's the trash that's orbiting the earth. It breaks into your, and you're like, whoa, pff, I just got hit with something. I got to yeah. deal with it. It, it crashed so, the house. That is, that is part and parcel of what we do. Yeah. So Great. you're I at home it. here. This yeah. Is that was the only space. way I could make sense of my tangents to my students. I was like, it's satellite brain debris. It just, it's the stuff that's been internalized, yeah. digested. And now it's just like floating with irrelevance until someone says something and it goes, yeah, yeah, we so. actually have a little audio bump for it too. Yeah, which is oh, really? Great. Oh, nice. Yeah, yeah. that was like my students. <laughs> my students used to say that was like their favorite thing, but because oh, we yeah. had like two full-time co-teachers, like it wasn't like teacher and assistant. It was like two master's degree certified yeah. teachers in a classroom. Like there was that like accountability. Like man, if I go on like um, any more tangents, Liliana <laughs> is going to kill me because yep. she's a much better teacher than I am, and she's planned this curriculum. <laughs> yeah. So if I keep like Derailing. messing with her <laughs> run of show, <laughs> she's going to kill me. That's um, but like, I don't know. It's rapport building. Yeah, it is a hundred percent. Yeah. And if there's, if there's anything we want, we want people to be super comfortable in these conversations, whether they're in the conversation or just listening to the conversation. But also life is, it, we take in more than we probably oh, yeah. put out. Yeah. So, so a life um, lived well will probably have connections that don't seem obvious that don't mm-hmm. just need to come forward, which is another way of then like driving people to say to see like yeah if you try to if you try to streamline your narrative or your conversation so tightly, mm-hmm. then you're 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 actually making it inhuman. It's not yeah. it's not honest. Like the the derails are are uh, um, a certain portion of the life that's been lived and points to the life that should be lived going forward. Yeah, I think all the places you don't have derailments. What conversations do you not have derailments in? That's and true. do you yeah. want that to be your life? Yeah, yeah, yeah. The answer is I mean, no. Yeah, yeah, it feels insincere. Yeah, yeah 100%. Yeah. Like, be here you are, bring it to the table. Yeah. yeah. Well, this has been great. Uh, really fantastic to have you, Jerry. I say, uh, so last thing that we like to ask folks, uh, where can people find you or your work or if they want to check out some stuff that you're... Um, and is there any projects you got coming up? You know, so like, where can we find... Sorry. Yeah, yeah, just all that stuff. Yeah, all this stuff. Any projects coming up and where can we find you? Yeah, so um, my website is just first name, last name. Okay. Dot com, it is mostly up to date. There are a few that just recently wrapped that I need to add there. Um, I'm working on a very exciting doc series, not even a branded doc series, but like an actual freaking documentary series. It is about female athletes. Um, it should get broadcast distribution, um, but I can't say anything more than that. Mm-hmm. Uh, not we definitely fully, have you back. Yeah, like that. that is like, I mean. Do you, you already have I, the athletes? Yeah, we know which uh, athletes. Okay, um, so talk to their who, agents. Who's coaching for the Portland Trailblazers? Okay, she's she played in WNBA. That's cool. Yeah, um, female athlete. Female we, athlete. Yeah, <laughs> we. Uh, yeah, so like when I think about like career maker type stuff, like that is the thing that I'm like really stoked yeah. about. But then mm-hmm. like you know these Kuiper customer stories, traveling, talking to people in like Chile and yeah. Argentina, like that's going to be dope too. Um, I'm, I'm doing a shoot next week with Bubba Wallace and Kurt Busch and 2311 racing. Where are you doing that one? Charlotte. Nice. Shocker. Well, yeah, I figured it was Charlotte, but yeah. you know. 
Uh, so that's cool. The, I'm not the, directing that one. The Charlotte Shocker. I was like, I've never, I've never not heard of this uh, sports don't say, don't team. Don't say Charlotte Shocker. <laughs> I was thinking like a wrestler. Ooh. <laughs> a regional wrestler. The Charlotte Shocker. <laughs> From the top ropes. From the yeah. top ropes. Ooh, oh, God. <laughs> <laughs> Brain debris. <laughs> there it is. <laughs> oh, that, yeah, that was brain debris, wasn't it? Oh, this is good. Uh, so you were saying NASCAR. I mean, that's yeah, I have that shoot coming up. <laughs> that's um, good. And yeah, I mean, my company, Malka Media, we've, we've, our website is like, you know, I think in redevelopment right now, but there's mm -hmm. some pretty cool stuff on there. Awesome. If any of your students are trying yeah. to get into production, like jobs are always posted. We've got That's a good one. That is JC a good one. and Santa Monica offices. We have a few remote people too, though. Like Santa Monica is near to my heart. I would I yeah. brother there. My family is from there. It's a beautiful place. Yep. Yeah. Um, but like, you know, I live in Richmond and yeah. they let me work there. So I don't know. Check it out. Sweet. Yeah. yeah, this was great. This was great. Thank Thanks you so much, me. Dre. Yeah. We really appreciate this. Um, and like we always say at the end of every episode, we love you guys. You are a great, fantastic audience, and we will catch you next time. Peace. You've been listening to Shaco Art Speak a production of Shaco Art Space. We are an independent, non-profit art gallery in Richmond, Virginia. We can be found online at shacoartspace.com and in real life in historic Shaco Bottle.